Welcome to the Retirement Risk Show, the best retirement interviews and advice with Dave Hall. Learn strategies to help you reduce and even eliminate the risks facing your retirement. Hello, everyone. Welcome to the show. My name is Dave Hall. I am your host. As always, very excited to be back with you again. I cannot believe how fast these weeks go by as we try to help you get to a safe and secure retirement. If you have not done so yet, please go to my website, retirementriskadvisors.com. Here you'll get access to the products, the resources, the, the tools, everything you need to get you safely through retirement. Would also encourage you to get signed up for our our flagship presentation, Getting Safely Through Retirement, two-hour presentation. We go through 10 risks you're going to face in retirement to help you get through that longest self-imposed period of unemployment most of us will have in our lifetime, maybe 20 years, maybe 30, even 40 or 50. It's what we call retirement. Very excited, as I mentioned about today's show, I've got with me Chuck Chaput, who is the CCO of Medicare Compare USA. Now, when I got the term CCO, I thought it was the chief compliance officer. I went online, saw that it was the chief communications officer, and then as Chuck and I have sat here talking, I realized that he is the communication and compliance officer. Chuck, welcome to the show. Nice to meet you, Dave. Pleasure to be here. Chuck, I know you've done our Facebook Live before. So some of our listeners may have heard you there, but uh, if you give us a little background about you, and then I'm very excited to get into Medicare. It's something that I love talking about, and I believe our listeners need to learn more about. So I'm excited to get into those topics that we have for them today. Absolutely. It would be my pleasure. Uh, so my name is Chuck Chaput. I'm the Chief Compliance and Communication Officer for Medicare Compare USA. Our company is headquartered in Washington State, but we are national in scope. Our real niche in the marketplace is that we support healthcare systems who want to offer a Medicare insurance helpline to their Medicare patients. So it provides a one-stop shop for patients to call. And of course, the number one thing we do is we always limit the plans that we discuss to those that their healthcare providers accept. So the last thing we'd want to do is talk about a specific Medicare plan and then find out that their primary care doctor is not in the network. So we, we take the time to do that. We also work with thousands of brokers nationally on Medicare products. So a lot of folks that want to sell a Medicare insurance plan contact us and we provide them with the, the training, the products and so forth. So we've been doing this since 2012 is when we incorporated. I personally have been in the Medicare space my entire career uh, since 1992. What I spend my time on is really in two areas. Uh, number one is I help our agents that work with us to remain fully compliant, following all the Medicare rules. And then I also, as the communication officer, work hand-in-hand with healthcare systems as they develop uh, communication materials for their patients. So when they want to tell patients, you know, you're approaching the Medicare annual enrollment period, I help them, you know, craft that language so that it's fully Medicare compliant. Chuck, we could probably take three days, maybe four, to go through everything people need to know about Medicare. Obviously, we don't have that much time today, so we'll try to pick some topics that are important to people. But first off, I, I want to talk a little bit about the, the complexity of the program, maybe, and, and when we look at the various paths that are available. If someone's coming into Medicare, I know a lot of our listeners think it's as simple as just signing up. You're going to get 
government health care for the rest of your life and everything's going to be wonderful, not the way it works. Can you talk a little bit about the different paths and maybe a couple of things people should look for initially when they're getting signed up? Absolutely. So one of the most common first steps is for someone to understand if they, in fact, want to enact their Medicare benefits when they reach age 65. That's traditionally when you become eligible for Medicare. Uh, a lot of folks, because they're still working, are debating whether or not they want to enact their Medicare benefits right away. Part B premium, you're paying over $100 a month on average for your Part B monthly premium for Medicare. And so a lot of folks are questioning, do I even need that? And so part of what we do is always go through the process of figuring out they're working and they're on a, an employer's plan. Uh, they very well may not need a Medicare insurance plan and they may not need to have their Medicare A and B right away. And Medicare has a very uh, simple process to delay or postpone your Medicare eligibility if that's the case. So that's the most common place to start is to determine, you know, do you have insurance coverage and what happens when you turn 65 and go on, you know, become eligible for Medicare? Do you, in fact, need your Medicare benefits in place? Assuming somebody has made that decision that they do want to enact and get their Medicare benefits in place, then really the, the, the decision comes down to if you're going to be buying insurance, uh, and I say that because a lot of folks have, about a quarter of America have some form of Medicare insurance provided through their employer or former employer or their, their partner's employer. Um, so a lot of people, you know, they're given really good coverage when they turn 65. They don't have to worry about it. But for most of the country, uh, when you reach 65 and you go on Medicare, you have to choose a plan. And so the two main tracks, if you will, are staying in original Medicare, where you would then look at buying a Medigap plan to fill the gaps of original Medicare. And you would also normally uh, join a Medicare prescription plan to cover your prescription benefit costs. Or the other track would be to join a Medicare Advantage plan, which is basically, it's basically Medicare A, B, and C and D all wrapped up into one. So you generally have your health insurance, your physician coverage. They usually include prescription benefits. So a lot of Americans are choosing these Medicare Advantage plans. Now, the question that then always comes up is, is there one track that's better than the other? And the answer is really no. It all depends on the individual. Uh, what are they looking to accomplish? What's important to them? Um, so some classic things that come up would be if somebody spends a lot of time traveling, that probably would mean you, you may not want to join a Medicare Advantage HMO because usually under an HMO, you have to use the providers within that network that is usually near your geographic location. It's not an ideal plan for somebody that's a snowbird, for example. Other people, they'll say, it's really important that I can choose my providers at all times. If I want to go see multiple specialists, I don't want the plan to tell me I cannot. And so that's another reason why some folks would join a Medigap plan to work in concert with original Medicare, because there is no network in most cases you can go wherever you want. The other side of the coin is a lot of folks are saying, I want the best value, the best bang for my buck. And oftentimes these Advantage plans can provide that because they offer additional benefits, you know, traditional things like eyewear and hearing aids, but in dental, but the benefits have been getting richer and richer as each year goes by. So there's a lot of reasons why a lot of folks choose Advantage. So again, it's 
there's no one fit all. It's, it really comes down to the individual. Chuck, are we seeing a lot of changes in these plans as we look at what's going on with insurance companies? Are they improving them? Is it getting better? Or is this a situation where because of the sheer cost, insurance companies have their hands locked and there's not a lot they can do right now? The Medicare program back in probably, let's see, I, I would say this was probably in 1998 or so, there were very few of these they used to be called Medicare Plus Choice plans. Now they're called Medicare Advantage plans. There were not a lot of them around in the late 1990s. And then they really started taking hold in the early 2000s. Right now in America, uh, I was looking at stats this morning, we're up to 45% of the Medicare population in America are on a Medicare Advantage plan. And if we just scroll back to 2019, it was at 37%. So we've seen an 8% growth in just the last three years alone in these plans. Why people are gravitating to these plans has a lot to do with a, a couple of things, I think. Number one is when somebody first goes on Medicare, if they're coming off of a employer plan, they're probably already accustomed to cost sharing and co-payments and things like that. When you see a provider, you pay something. Whereas you know people on Medicare 20 years ago, they were used to having a Medicare supplement, a Medigap plan, that you show that to your provider and all the costs are covered. And so there was a little bit of a slow adoption for these Advantage plans because people were not akin to um, a lot of cost sharing. But the people going on Medicare today are used to that. So that, that's not scaring them away, if you will. Um, also, the Advantage plans have really added a lot of extra ancillary benefits that go beyond just the health benefits of the plan. So a couple of more stats I was pulling today, 97% of the plans, the Medicare Advantage plans today, offer a fitness benefit. 95% offer a telemedicine benefit. 98% offer eye benefits. 95% hearing. 81% over-the-counter coverage. So you can get toilet paper over-the-counter uh, through these plans. 67% of the plans even provide meals. So if you're recovering from an illness of some sort, they will actually bring you Meals on Wheels. 38% of the plans now actually have a transportation benefit to take you to and from your healthcare provider or your pharmacy. So the, the, the insurance companies are doing this. It's very simple. They're, they're trying to enhance enrollment. They want to grow their plan. And they know by adding all of these add-on benefits, it makes the plans more attractive. So at the heart of it, that's what's really causing the, the growth in these plans to uh, to accelerate. Yeah, and for those that are listening with what he's saying here, understand they offer this, which means it's not there with traditional Medicare. That's one of the misconceptions many people have is that Medicare is going to cover everything dealing with your dentures or, or your teeth. They're going to deal with your eyes, your hearing. They're going to give you these fitness plans. That is not happening. Medicare was brought about in 1965 during a period of time when that was not common to have those type of things offered as part of the healthcare, and they've not adapted to that. So Medicare Advantage plans have stepped in. They've taken the lead. They've uh, made these adjustments to allow you to have these benefits available. I know I'm on a Medicare Advantage plan. You probably don't know that, Chuck. I'm, I'm obviously not 65. I wouldn't typically qualify, but I had a kidney transplant, a 
couple of years ago, and I'm in that three-year window where I can be on Medicare and ended up choosing a Medicare Advantage plan, and, and they reach out to me all the time for these free services. Hey, we got a free doctor's appointment. You need to go get checked out. Now, I see kidney specialists all the time. I'm consistently in offices getting blood work done, not overly concerned about my health, but they are doing everything they can to ensure we're staying on track and we're doing what we should. And I assume to the average consumer, that's a huge benefit as we're getting into retirement and starting to worry a little bit more about their health and, and longevity and those type of things. Absolutely. Absolutely. 45% in 2022 are on Medicare Advantage. And you know why has it grown so much in the last few years, especially? So you're seeing a national expansion of the plans, meaning it used to be that the plans focused on the, the biggest cities where they could get the most enrollment fast, but now the plans are really looking at every county in, in America. At one point, every county, you can look at your Medicare Advantage uh, penetration, like what percentage of seniors in that county are on an Advantage plan. And uh, it used to be that the penetration would reach saturation at about 30 to 35%. So if once about a third of the population on Medicare were in an Advantage plan, it got really hard for that plan to add additional enrollment. Now, there's 11 states that actually have more than 50% of their state's Medicare population on an Advantage plan, and that's still growing. So these plans have just become so much more commonplace and so much more uh, adopted, if you will, by the, by the Medicare population, and they're just exploding. This is not me being doing a commercial for Medicare Advantage. I would tell you there are definitely people that would be better not in an Advantage plan, uh, but, there, but there are definitely a lot of folks that are choosing these plans because of all of the enhanced benefits, like you said, that go beyond original Medicare. Chuck, how do they figure this out, though? I mean, if you're sitting here and I teach classes on Medicare and I get this question all the time, what you're going through is pretty complex. And especially if you go into a one-hour webinar where you're getting into all the details of these plans, that's pretty complex. How do I make the choice? Who's going to guide me down this path so that I get the right product so hopefully I get the best care as I get into retirement? Right. Well, there's a, a couple of things. Number one is I'm a, I'm a big believer of, of the value of brokers. And I say broker meaning an agent that's an independent agent that represents multiple insurance companies. The number one reason I'm a believer in that is if you call an insurance company directly, uh, they can tell you all about their plan, but they're not going to give you a comparison of their plan to a competitor's plan. And a good broker understands the, the strengths and weaknesses of all the plans they represent, and they can help that person understand and navigate those available options. I would also say that there's the technology in the Medicare space, the, the way that Medicare plans are being sold is evolving pretty rapidly. So you've got plan quote tools that are becoming more prominent in the market as well. So these are websites where you can enter in your physicians and your prescriptions, and then it starts to show you where those plans would rank based on your expected out-of-pocket costs. So of course, the number one thing is choosing a plan that includes your meds and includes your, includes your providers. That's the key. But once you narrow down to those, now you might still have a half dozen plans and you got to narrow that down even further. So these quoting tools help. A lot of the brokers out there already have these quoting tools, so they can use these when they're helping a beneficiary to sort out their options. But several of these tools are now becoming uh, consumer-facing, so they're now available for the general population to use as well. And there's a lot that are in development right now, so you'll see even more of these coming out in the next couple of years. A couple of questions in regards to the broker. Number one, when should someone start? 
I mean, 65s when in theory they become eligible, do they show up to the office on their 65th birthday and that's when we should be addressing this? Or should people get a little earlier start than that? Yeah, it's a, it's a great question. I, I always say that it's about a year from when you when you turn 64. If Assuming you're going to be going on Medicare when you turn 65, which is in, when most people do, but not all, but most. If you're going to be going on Medicare at 65, I would start about a year ahead of time just familiarizing yourself with the Medicare program. You know, you've got uh, all these different letters and acronyms and all these things that you have to start, you know, hearing and understanding and what they mean. So I would say about a year is when I would start beginning the process. Six months from when you turn 65 is when you really need to kick it into high gear. And then about three months from your, your month that you turn 65, that's when you can start applying for coverage. To me, that's the sweet spot. When you're about three months out is when you want to make your decision on your plan and submit the paperwork. There's a couple of other reasons for that. Number one is if you decided to join a Medigap plan, a Medicare supplemental plan that works secondary to Medicare, have a six-month Medicare supplement open enrollment period that starts from the day you go on your Medicare Part B becomes effective, which again will usually be the month you turn 65. And you've got a six-month period where you cannot be denied coverage based on your health. Whereas once you're out of that window, most Medicare supplements underwrite. So they're, they're, asking, they're going to ask you health questions and you need to qualify for coverage. So if somebody is possibly not going to qualify, that, that, that first window, that six months, is, might be the only time they might be able to qualify for a Medicare supplement if that was the route they wanted to go. Such great advice as you look at uh, this for you that are listening. Really uh, helpful to understand, to, to get an early start. Again, I, I use the same age. I was interested to see what Chuck said because we've not talked about it previous to this podcast, but it's the age that I've used as well, age 64 there. Another question in regards to brokers. I'm a CPA. We represent CPAs primarily. I wouldn't say we're cheap, but we are conservative in the way that we spend and, and we like good deals. When you get a broker involved, is that going to cost me as the consumer anything or how's that paid? How are they getting paid through that process? Yeah, another great question. Uh, so brokers are, there, there's never a fee to use a broker. Medicare prohibits that. As much as some brokers would probably love to add on a fee for their, for their services, it's not a federally allowed. So the, the insurance companies have to build that into the, the chassis of the product. So in other words, whether you buy a plan by just picking up an application at the insurance company's office or whether you use a broker, you're going to be getting the exact same product, except you're going to have an agent that's there, you know, that's there loyal to you. And they're going to make sure that you're on the right plan. And as your needs change over your life, they will help you navigate those and find other plans if you need to change. So I always tell people, don't fall in love with your insurance plan necessarily, especially if you're in an Advantage plan. Every year, those plans have to submit a bid to Medicare, and every year, those benefits change. So uh, what might be the, the top plan this year might not be another year from now. So I'm not, you know, not, I'm not trying to scare anybody on it. I'm just saying that the value proposition of a broker that you're not even paying out of your pocket to access, uh, to me, it's, it's one of the true values in healthcare. 
And being someone like myself, who obviously is dealing with medical issues right now, right now, it's just medicine, it's blood tests, it's not a lot of other issues. I don't have high blood pressure, I don't have diabetes, I don't have many of these other things that often come with kidney failure. But still, there's a lot of claims at times because of everything that's going on. It's nice to have brokers on the back end that can help fight for that as well. And I haven't experienced so much with my Medicare Advantage plan, but before I was on a traditional healthcare plan, and you know, many of the listeners may not know this, but if you have kidney failure for the first 30 months, your health care plan is primary and Medicare secondary. Well, I had huge issues with my health care plan agreeing that they were primary. They kept denying all my claims. So it was very helpful to have people in the middle of this and a broker who could help walk through the challenges I was dealing with as they were just kicking back claims saying, sorry, we're not paying these. Have Medicare. Medicare would send it back saying, we're not paying. Have your insurance pay. And so at that point, I had a broker inside my traditional medical coverage. And so they were able to step in. So very viable stuff that you bring up here. We are approaching the end. I do have one other question for you, something that I've just been curious about. Don't know if you even have the answer to. Any idea what percentage of people just take traditional Medicare without these supplemental plans that end up covering all the gaps that exist? Is there a percentage that does that? Do you know? Oh, yeah, absolutely. So we have a Part of my company, we have a family of companies, and one of our companies is a consulting practice that works very closely with hospitals. And so very commonly, we analyze that their age 64 population and age 65 population to see what happens as patients reach that Medicare eligibility age. And uh, it's not uncommon to see 5 to 15% of the uh, hospital's Medicare population not have any secondary coverage to Medicare, which is kind of mind-boggling because if you're on original Medicare, it only covers 80% of your expected costs and it doesn't include a prescription plan. So for somebody to just have Medicare A and B only, you've got no stop loss on what that exposure looks like. I always tell folks, if you know, instead of being on Medicare A and B only, you could look at joining a Medicare Advantage plan, many of which have a zero plan premium. And, and that at least gives you every Medicare Advantage plan by law has an annual stopgap. And it's an out-of-pocket out of maximum before that plan would cover all of your out-of-pocket costs for the rest of the calendar year. So, yeah, that's a, it's a great question. And, it, and it's, uh, I strongly advise people don't go on Medicare A and B only. It's, you've got too much exposure there. Yeah, and I've got to believe it's just people that don't understand that there are these other options out there, that they didn't get professional help, they didn't understand there were other programs, because that shocks me. I would expect a number, but getting upwards to 15%, and as you say, teaching the the classes on Medicare, I understand that the tens, if not hundreds of thousands of dollars, you could be out of pocket if you don't cover it. And right now, as I mentioned, I'm on a Medicare Advantage plan that is free. So as you mentioned, I've got one of these plans and I'm going to lose it here in about three months. I'm going to have to go back into the exchange, which I'm not super excited about. But uh, when you look at these plans, you realize that there are a lot of benefits out there that you're not paying a penny for. Now, please, one last thing I will mention, and if there's any parting words Chuck would like to have, I'll give it, turn it over to him. But please do not stop paying your Part B premiums if you get on one of these free plans. That is one thing we do see people do. They get on a Medicare Advantage plan, it tells them it's free, and they think, great, I don't have to pay anything anymore. Part B premiums do still have to be paid. Please do not make that mistake. So with that, Chuck, let me turn it over to you as we wrap things up. Any parting words you'd like to give to our listeners? I, you know, I, I think I would just boil it down to don't fall in love with any one specific insurance company. And, and I especially tell people 
don't fall in love with any specific benefit. Look at the the, the entire situation, your, the, all of the benefits of that plan. Uh, again, a lot of these ancillary benefits I touched on earlier are wonderful benefits, but if the health portion of the plan isn't fitting your needs, the fact that you're going to get $200 over-the-counter benefits every month, that'll be drastically overstated by your possible exposure on the healthcare side. So take your time, look at your options, engage a broker. It doesn't cost anything. They'll help you look at your options. And that's the, the best place to start. Chuck, this has been a great show. You guys are a strategic partner of ours. So those of you out there that would like to, to sit down with them, all you got to do is go to our website, retirementriskadvisors.com. Go to our partner page. You'll find Medicare Compare USA and the contact information on how to get a hold of them. Chuck, thank you so much for being on our show. Thank you, Dave, for having me. It's been a pleasure. Listeners, thank you so much for being with us today. Come back next week where we'll have another guest on talking about issues that relate to getting you through a safe and secure retirement. And that's today's episode. Thanks for listening. If you like what you've heard, please subscribe to wherever you get your podcast. We come out with a new episode every Friday morning and you don't want to miss it. If you want to continue the conversation from our podcast, join Dave every Wednesday at 11 a.m. Central Time on the Retirement Risk Advisors Facebook page as he answers your retirement questions live. The Retirement Risk Show is a production of the Retirement Risk Advisors. Our show was designed up for more than 15 free CPE retirement webinars. Retirement education? Visit retirementriskadvisors.com to sign up for more than 15 free CPE retirement webinars.